Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, the founder of AbsoluteEngagement.com. And I'm Steve Wershing, president of the Client Driven Practice. One of our goals at Becoming Referrable is to bring you guests who can give expertise and perspective from outside of financial services and get their advice that you may not hear from other industry experts on what you can do to make yourself more referable. Today, it's my pleasure to talk with John Janch, who is a marketing consultant, speaker, and author of Duct Tape Marketing, Duct Tape Selling, The Commitment Engine, and The Referral Engine, and the founder of the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. So John shares some great ideas about what it means to be truly referable as a starting point. We believe that's important, and he does make that point very clearly. But he also talks about how you can stand out among clients and among centers of influence. But perhaps what really struck me the most about what he had to share is that he talks about having a process. A process to uncover what clients think make you referable, a process to structure and leverage a network of experts to 10x your referral opportunities, and, and this is an important one, I think, a process to help you really understand your own value. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about this conversation was because John works in so many different industries, he had a lot of ideas and a few strategies that varied significantly from what you and I would would tell advisors to do and things that we've you know we've observed working really well. So, we'll I I enjoy bringing it to all of our listeners and to let you sort out what you think is going to work for you. And with that, let's go to our conversation with John. Okay, John. Well, welcome to the show. It's a real exciting. It's really exciting for me to have you here today. Well, thanks. My pleasure. So let's jump right into it, John. You know, like this show, you recommend that business owners attract more referral referrals by being more referable. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Well, I, I mean, you think about it. When's the last time that you went home and raved about a perfectly acceptable experience that you had? <laughs> I, mean, I think that, that, that we need people to talk and share. I mean, that's how people find things today. They ask their neighbors. They go on a Facebook group. And so we have to do things that, that, that really exceed people's expectations, that surprise them, because that's what gets people talking. But we also have to have, in addition to having a great product or, or keeping our promises, I mean, we have to also have a great experience, too, because I think most of us are, are wired to make referrals, but... You know, if somebody just does what they said they were going to do, unfortunately, sometimes that's exceeding expectations. But if if, if somebody just says what they are going to do, um, I, I mean, we, we, you know, the price was what they said, they delivered, I mean, the experience was great. Um, but but if we connect at a much deeper level, you know, we all have those companies that we just, we just love doing business with them, we love talking about them. And so if you're going to get people to, uh, to refer you almost automatically, um, then you have to do you, you have to have a great product kind of wrapped with a remarkable experience as well. Well, and so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that because one of the things that you hear, you know, I, you you talk to a lot of different industries about making about getting referrals, and I will relentlessly promote your books, the referral engine and the commitment engine because I think they're fabulous. Um, so you work with a lot of different industries one of the, so we'll, some of what we'll talk about today is some of the peculiarities of the financial advisor business one of them is that you know there are a lot of people out there who tell financial advisors that you know they need to create a wow experience that they need to really surprise their clients but the nature of the experience that we have with clients is that it's 
it's ongoing. It, it lasts a long time. And so from my perspective, I mean, it's really hard to create a wow that lasts 20 or 30 years, you know, but what you were referring to is, you know, I mean, if, if you if you if you wow somebody if more than just a couple of times, that becomes the expectation, right? So you talked a little bit about developing a, a, a little bit deeper relationship and, and being a company that people just love to deal with. Can you talk a little bit more about that whole creating wow versus de- developing intimacy? Well, yeah, that, that's a great point because um, you, you can't always just you know, deliver more than you promised you know, <laughs> on every engagement kind of wow. Uh, but, but I think it's uh, a combination. I think that you do need to consider you know, what are some ways that you can stand out um, I, I had a, a financial planner, a client that would bring their clients in once a year to, I mean, they, they would meet more often than that, but they would definitely have the, the kind of the typical annual review of everything kind of meeting once a year. And they had this big kind of plate glass windows um, in, in their conference room that looked out to uh, behind the building to the parking lot, and they would bring in a mobile detailed truck, and they would, they would detail the client's car <laughs> right there as they were doing the meeting. Um, and that, you know, that was kind of their wow <laughs> to, to do something that the people would then go home and go, I got to tell you what happened today. So they <laughs> got people talking that way. But they also saw their job as being an advisor to that client, not just for their financial matters, but pretty much for everything that they needed in their life. And, and the way they did that was that they had a, a team of, of experts that in every kind of facet of their client's lives that they could point to and say, you know, when that client built a trusting relationship and said, gosh, do you know anybody who does X, they could, they could confidently say, yes, and I want to introduce you to that person. So they saw, you know, kind of that, their value add was also uh, not just bringing their services, but bringing kind of a team of everything that their clients needed. So, you know, it's kind of that combination of, yeah, it's nice to do something that, that just kind of gets people sort of the trick, you know, that gets people to talk. But ultimately, you have to have some sort of part of the experience that also really kind of uh, touches them at an emotional level. You know, it's it's an interesting point. I think I just wrote the other day about one advisor that I'd spoken to who whose clients actually rejected the idea that, um, you know, that they should try to be all of those things. Although at the same time, I've done a lot of client advisory boards where people say, what I really appreciate about this advisor is that I can ask him anything, and if he can't do it for me, he knows somebody who can. Where, where, where's the, where are the boundaries of that? You know, how much of, of becoming referable should be about enhancing your core service and the things that you do, and how much of it should be to have that broader relationship that goes outside of your core specialty? Well, I, I don't know if I can assign um, you know percentages to that, but I think for most businesses, it's a really great practice because the other thing that happens is that banker and that lawyer and that CPA um, that that you have on your team and that you maybe uh, uh, collaborate on on content or you know on workshops or things, uh, they become in in many cases they become one of your best referral sources as well. So there's some very very practical reasons you become more valuable to your clients because you have that team but you also are uh, over time building an asset a referral asset that might actually uh, be your greatest generator of new clients you know that that's an excellent point about not just being a resource for the client but being a resource for your professional relationships and and how that can come that you know how that can promote re- uh, promote referrals from from that other angle as well as just from your clients well, in some in, in some cases, it can be more potent because you know a a law firm or a regional bank might actually have a thousand customers that they could refer you to, whereas your 
best customer might know two or three people that would make a great referral. Yeah. So uh, you really want to be working both of those. You know, that's that's an excellent that's an excellent point. Talking more about attracting referrals, you know, financial advisors are taught that to get referrals, they have to ask for them. What are your thoughts about that approach to it? Well, there's there's no question. I mean, it's not just ask. You have to be easy to refer. You have to look for the right opportunities. But one of the mistakes that I see a lot of people make is that um, they they have a client and that, they've done some work for a client, and then at some point they go back and say, "Gosh, I'd like to talk to you about you know anybody else who needs what we do." And I think you really want to plant the seed much earlier than that. In fact, I often tell people that the referral conversation needs to be part of the sales conversation. Um, and what you can do if you do that is actually do something that I think sends a really positive, strong uh, marketing message. So as you are working with a client, somebody that you might uh, work with, uh, you know, I often tell people, and again, you can word this any way you're comfortable, to start talking about the idea that, uh, you know, you tell a client X, uh, you know, here's what we agreed upon uh, doing today, and we know you're going to be so thrilled with the results that uh, at the end of 90 days, uh, we want to come and talk with you about uh, anybody that you know would also uh, benefit from these kind of results. And so, you know, everybody kind of says, oh, okay, sure, <laughs> we'll do that. Um, you know, because it's such a strong message. You think about it, you're saying, we know you're going to be so thrilled. We're going to come back and make sure you're thrilled, and then we're going to let you get those results or help your friends, neighbors, and colleagues get those same kind of results. Now, obviously, every profession and industry has a different way that they you know, might word that or go about uh, you know, checking those results and whatnot. But I think planting the seed at that point, then when it comes time to ask, it's really in some ways already been agreed upon. Now, you know, one of the concerns that I have and that I write about is generating referrals by catering to the needs of the client, by, you know, satisfying their their needs and their reasons for referring. And I, I, w- I would worry that something like that might, be, might seem a little bit self-serving or a little bit too much about the advisor and not enough about the clients. But have you seen, what, what are the things, you, what are the results you've seen among financial advisors that you've coached or spoken to about that? Well, well I've seen people use that exact approach and, and triple the number of people they were getting in front of because of it. Okay. Now, the biggest thing is the way you position it. Any time you're asking somebody to do something, and I think a lot of people resist because they feel like they're asking their client for a favor or, you know, worse yet, I've heard people say, well, it sounds like I'm begging you know, for business. Well, the, the mindset and the differentiation has to be, if you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what you're doing for your clients is helping them achieve you know, their goals and objectives in life, why wouldn't you want to give them the opportunity to help their friends, neighbors, and colleagues do that as well? Okay, well, that's so fair enough. Don't look at it as I'm begging or I'm asking for a favor. I'm giving my clients an opportunity to help their friends, neighbors, and colleagues. But that, you know, that starts with you believing that that's what you really do. Sure. Well, you know, and, and that's a good point. One of your books is, is called, and I'll promote it again, The Referral Engine, which, by the way, everybody should order right now and read. And you talk about creating that engine that will generate a continuous stream. What, so what other kinds of, besides talking with your clients that way, what other kinds of components belong in that referral engine? Well, the, the other thing that I like to have people do is identify kind of the moments of truth. So, you know, where in the, in the client journey, in the client life cycle, are there opportunities for you to ask? I mean, you get that unsolicited you know, email, you get uh, that you know, a conversation, casual conversation where somebody just tell, talks about you know, what a great job you've done for them. I mean, you, know, you want to be on the lookout kind of for those as, um, as moments of truth. You want to have review periods built in that are not necessarily about 
referrals, but they're about results. Um, and you know, anytime somebody is realizing they've had a great result, you know, that sometimes can be a, a you know a place that you have a built-in ask. I also like to sprinkle in, and again, you know, industries that are regulated have to adhere to some things that other non-regulated industries don't necessarily have to. But I also like to have four or five campaigns uh, that that might be going. So, uh, for instance, and again, I don't think this will apply uh, very well to uh, financial planners, but we've certainly had a lot of luck with just kind of having the gift certificate uh, approach. So, you know, one of the referral uh, methods might be to, you know, once a quarter send all your clients a $100 gift certificate that uh, that they can give to a friend, neighbor, or colleague, and for each of those that comes back in, they're going to get, you know, uh, an equal um, amount, you know, applied to uh, some services or products. So that kind of sort of low threshold thing that just makes it easy for people in the moment to say, oh, yeah, I was talking to somebody that needs this. I'll just give them this right now. So, you know, having things like that going. For particularly regulated industries that certainly can't uh, do any kind of compensation necessarily for referrals, I uh, or whether it's illegal or, un- or unethical or just doesn't feel right, <laughs> I also like to think in terms of, of kind of building referral champion community. So even bringing your your best referral sources together, or giving them some sort of special, um, in, you know, workshop or information, or just even taking three or four clients out to lunch together, you know, who happened to refer. I mean, those types of things of kind of getting those those folks that already refer, uh, spending time on them and kind of lavishing them so that they actually can be motivated to refer more. Uh, it's probably a great uh, use of time as well. So what what other kinds of ways could you potentially reward those folks, assuming that, you know, monetary rewards are off the table? One of the things I think a lot of times people just, people like recognition. <laughs> so so telling people that XYZ, you know, person in your newsletter, you know, has been your greatest referral champion, uh, sometimes people really enjoy that kind of recognition. Um, you know, having special events where or, or special, you know, content or special training or something that, you know, only your referral circle um, gets to participate in. Another very common uh, approach is to uh, to reward that person's uh, favorite uh, nonprofit uh, with the, you know some sort of monetary gift, and a lot of people can be very motivated uh, for for that kind of support. Oh, okay, very interesting ideas. You know, in the referral engine, one of, one of the seven stages of referral development that you talk about is try. I wanted to get a little clarification from you on that because we're in the business of providing financial advice. You know, the whole idea of try is kind of difficult. Uh, what what kinds of what kinds of ways could people offer a little sample, or is is this is there any way of implementing that in the financial services business? Well, pro- probably the best way, and and you see a lot of financial uh, services related folks doing this. One of you know, it doesn't have to be trying a product or, you know, having a low-cost, you know, intro offer, it can simply be a workshop. A workshop is a great way for somebody to try because what they're able to do is, you know, establish, do I kind of trust this person? Do I like what they're saying? Uh, Maybe they've given me three or four great tips for some things that I could do, you know, to lower my taxes or to, you know, to to reevaluate my portfolio. Um, and, And so that, in a lot of ways, can be obviously within, you know, what kind of advice you can give, you know, maybe you're regulated, but that that type of, uh, of you know, free training or free information that's not salesy, but that's purely educational, is a great way for somebody to try uh, anybody who is a, a kind of a knowledge type of worker. 
You know, that's a really good point and interesting. And I'll, I'll, I'll reinforce that uh, by, um, again, one another advisory board I did recently. We were talking about client events and educational events and those things. And we were asking the clients, you know, what draws you to these and what do you find valuable about these, especially ones that you've gone to that have not been from this particular advisor. And one of the things that they said was, it teaches us a useful skill. So, you know, not just lecturing at people, uh, but but uh, covering something that they could that they can go home and do for themselves. Um, clients have told us that, uh, that that they find a lot of value in that. And that, that sounds like first a great way to sort of get the feel for an advisor, give them a try that way, um, and also to uh, contribute some value without actually providing them direct advice. Well, and I think you you realized, and a lot of the listeners, advisors realize too that a lot of this information is just, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, the financial stuff is like, well, they said this and they said this and they're all saying the same thing. A lot of it comes down to, do I trust that person? Uh, do I, you know, do I do I relate to that person? Do they seem to have my same ideas and values? And so I think that, that is a lot of what you can demonstrate, you know, more so than, you know, some incredible, like, crafty, you know, financial strategy that you might put together. You know, it's, it's an excellent point. One of the other people that we are having on the podcast runs uh, Guidevine, which is has been described as the Match.com of, of uh, advisor search. And one of the things that uh, that he's talked about is the, uh, the big divide between people reading an advisor's marketing literature and actually getting a sense of who they are. And that, you know, he talks about a friend of his who ha- had gone out and interviewed something like 10 different advisors, and they said about most of them, you know, if we had any sense of who this person was, we never would have wasted the time going to see them because we could just tell that the personality is not who we wanted to work with. And, and you know, to your point, you know, giving people an opportunity to experience you a little bit could be a great way to get an introduction without actually doing specific work for them. So um, one of the other things that you talk about in your books is uh, do uh, referral campaign strategies, specific strategies for, for, for acquiring referrals and as specific projects to acquire referrals. And one of the things that you talk about is uh, is testimonials and how powerful they are. And one, I wanted to get, um, I wanted to see if you could give us a little bit more detail about how a financial advisor might utilize campaigns, given that testimonials are actually prohibited by law in the United States for investment advisors. Are there other ways that uh, financial advisors could have some, a, a referral campaign and, and give us some ideas on what they might do for that? Well, uh, again. Um Check with your compliance department before you take the advice <laughs> I'm about to give you. But um, they are illegal to to solicit from your clients to put on your website directly to you. But what you can do is there are third-party um, review sites, uh, Google, uh, Yelp. Um, every uh, there probably be some in in the investment uh, world that I'm not that familiar with. But getting Google reviews that are glowing reviews and testimonials um, is is, again, as I said, you might check this, but, <laughs> but I'm pretty darn sure uh, that, 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 that that's compliant. So a client of yours going to a third-party site like Google and writing a review about their investment advisor um, is something that would actually fly. Okay. that's Well, and then thank you for the disclaimer there. I'm sure all the compliance officers in the audience just heaved a heavy sigh of relief. Let me jump over to your new book, or your newest book, duct tape selling. You talk about the person who brings in the business having to think like a marketer. And I think this is a really uh, relevant message for financial advisors because so many, you know, 
as as big as the industry gets, you know, we are still persistently a mom and pop kind of a business that, you know, most investment advisory firms are still relatively small. And so the majority of them are uh, people who have to act in both the roles, marketer and salesperson, although most of them don't realize that a lot of the, you know, in, in my talks, I spend a lot of time talking about the difference between marketing and selling. Can right. you elaborate a little bit more on, on, on um, your perspective on that and what kinds of things you talk about in that new book? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is, is, and that book was actually written for the person who realizes that their job title is sales and that that's what they're told, you know, they're measured on. And, and so my point in that book was to say, that I believe the opportunity to kind of expand, you know, your thinking of what sales is, where sales starts and where it, where it ends, um, is, is something that, uh, that, that folks that are really, uh, sales folks particularly, that are really doing well today, realize that they have to get involved in the customer journey, you know, much earlier than when marketing tells them a lead is scored high enough to go, you know, try to close them. <laughs> and, they, and they also have to stay, I think, much later. And I think that in a lot of ways, uh, as you suggested, uh, financial service providers uh, sometimes have a probably a hard time realizing when they're separating, you know, marketing, sales, and service because they provide, in many cases, all three of those. Um, and, and but I think that it's important to have that distinction of you know what is marketing, what is sales, what is service, but then understand that you also then have to try to figure out a way to to have that kind of end-to-end -end integrated approach. And so. The marketing component is where you know that's the that's when you're creating awareness, but that's also where you're building trust. The the sales component really comes into that you know when somebody's ready to buy, you know helping them understand uh, exactly you know the right thing for them for their situation, how things are going to work for them, and then obviously the repeat and refer you know kind of stages. That's when you're providing uh, service, but then you're also uh, making sure you're, that that people get the result that they were after. So there are kind of set stages, there are set departments, if you will, um, but in your particular model, um, the, the, they just have to realize that those are separate functions, but that they have to figure out how to blend them as well. And just because I, I, I hear from a lot of advisors who are confused about this, how, how would you differentiate selling from marketing? Well, I use seven stages of, of the, the client journey, customer journey. Uh, they are no like trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. And for me, uh, marketing is building know, like, and trust. Sales is try and buy. And service is repeat and refer. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And that, that your job really as a, you know, particularly in this case as an advisor, uh, is to move people, as many people as you possibly can, through those, logically through those stages. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Good idea. So, um, you know, we're, the time is flying along and I'm, I'm going to need to let you go pretty soon and get back to your day. But before we do that, um, first, what are some of the things that you're currently working on? Well, I um, have built uh, Duct Tape Marketing is actually kind of my methodology for uh, installing a marketing system. A lot of the things we talked about are components of that. And I have a network of independent marketing consultants around the world that, that license our methodology and our training and, and actually uh, a very kind of formal network. I and mean, we do a lot of work together. Um, and uh, so, so building that network and kind of giving me the ability to bring duct tape marketing, duct tape marketing system to you know thousands or approaching tens of thousands of small businesses around the world is uh, is really kind of the big part of my work right now. Okay, great. Well, we're going to let people uh, in the audience get their pencils ready so that they can figure out where to find you. But before we do that, 
Um, one thing we like to ask everybody before they before they finish here is, um, and this can relate to stuff that you work on. It can relate to things we talked about today, or it can relate to something totally outside of that if you think it's important. But what what are the what are three things that you think financial advisors can do to get their clients talking more about them? Well, we we talked about a couple of these things. Number one is set up a kind of a I don't know if you do it quarterly or annually, but set up a uh, a time where you can sit down with eight or ten of your best clients, not at the same time necessarily, uh, individually, and and just kind of pick their brain about what it is that you do that's different, what it is that makes them stick around, you know, with you, uh, especially if they refer you. You know, why do they refer you? What are the actual words they tell somebody when they refer you? Uh, that that is, in my experience, one of the the, the best ways for any business really, uh, but for a financial planner to understand kind of the simple message that they need to be spreading uh, to attract more of those ideal clients. So spend the time you know, listening to and, and speaking with your clients, not, not about always about their financial matters, but uh, to really kind of turn them almost into a sort of uh, informal marketing advisory board. That sounds... That would be number one. Okay. Second one, we talked a little bit about um, I think actually mining strategic uh, relationships, I don't think enough uh, folks spend enough time doing that. They have a lot of maybe people in their network, people they play golf with that they say, hey, we, you know, uh, we should do something together sometime. <laughs> um, you know, I, I hear that from people all the time, and then we get busy you know, chasing our, our, our business and things around, and we never get around to right. it. So uh, I, I would advise anybody listening today that one of the most powerful things you can do is to Start trying to identify your team of, of experts that could provide best-of-class services uh, for pretty much anything your clients need. Um, and instead of just trying to immediately launch into this referral uh, partnership, what if you started thinking about ways that you could actually uh, produce content for each other, you could interview each other, you could you know, have your own, you know, if you had your own podcast, I mean, you could, you could see them as kind of your first potential guests, and so you you kind of build this sort of fortress or team of folks that uh, you're really getting to know and, and your clients are starting to get to know, um, and, and then you can start thinking about, could, are there events we could do? Could we do a half-day you know, webinar or something you know, where everybody could present their particular topic? Um, and and what will happen is I think if you spend the time to build that kind of formal structure like that, uh, you'll find that you'll end up being, uh, those, those folks will end up being a great source of leads. That's and great. The third, and then number three? I guess I would go back to another thing that I, su I suggested today. Start talking about referrals. Get, get your wrap your head around the value that you truly do bring. And in fact, that might take actually going out and assessing the value. A lot of times, I think um, uh, why people are afraid sometimes to ask for referrals is because they don't truly understand how much value they actually are bringing to people's lives. And so, you know, if in my world uh, as a marketing consultant, you know, if I was charging let's say $25,000 a year, but I knew consistently year in, year out, I was producing half a million to a million dollars in new revenue for that uh, business. Um, I, it would be very easy for me to say, who else needs you know, another half sure. a million or a million dollars uh, for you know, $25,000 spent? Um, and I think that that's what financial advisors need to do or, or really every business needs to do. They need to understand the true impact they're having uh, because I think that gives you the posture in many cases to, to kind of turn the tables of not being asking for a referral of, as a favor, uh, but, but actually being an opportunity for that person who gets to refer you. 
Yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. One of my favorite questions for advisors to ask their clients is, of you know, of all the things we do in our relationship, what do you, what's most valuable to you? What do you get the most value from? So that's great. So those are three great ideas. And John, thank you so much for joining us today. And and before we go, where where can people find you? What are your uh, on the uh, on the Twitter sphere and on the interwebs? Where can people find <laughs> well, you? Well, yeah, the, the easiest place is just Duct Tape Marketing. So that's D U C T T A P E Marketing dot com. Um, you know, same with Facebook, same with uh, Twitter is actually just Duct Tape. But um, uh, you know, starting at Duct Tape Marketing, you can kind of see any direction you want to go in terms of how much information and all the uh, the free tools and resources that we have there. That's great. John, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Hey folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.